Alright, three, two, one. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of the True Leisure Podcast Season 2. Today, we are going to take a look at some of the various diseases and plagues and illnesses that have inflicted society over the years in history. As you all know, society is still recovering and in some places of the world hasn't recovered from the virus that took over the world back in 2020, COVID-19. And while a lot of people have gotten vaccinated for it, there are many people that have not, and there are many areas of the world that are still being completely ravaged by this disease. So today we thought we'd take a look at not just the biological aspect of COVID-19, but also take a look into history of other plagues and diseases that have come into the world and had similar horrifying and devastating effects. Today we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Cornelius, all the way from the early 1300s. And... Uh, Doctor Cornelius, sixteen hundred. Yes, my I am. Um, I, yes, I am Doctor Cornelius. I am here because G invited me. He said that he gets very queasy when it comes to medical terminology, which is okay. So he built a time machine to bring me forward here. We were old friends back many years ago, and um, I'm familiar with most of the people here. I see that is Alex. That is. Ethan, Akash, uh, oh, and one other fine gentleman. How are you? Who are you? Oh, well, I'm not Dr. Cornelius, I will tell you that. Not as fascinating, but my name is Pranav, and I go to University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, Don't worry, I don't date my cousin, so we're good there. But apart from that, yeah, I'm just excited to take part of your podcast, and I'd like to thank you guys for inviting me. No problem. And you said you study in university. What do you study? Um, I study neuroscience. So, yeah, hopefully I can be of use, at least in the medical aspect of talking about the like plagues and what effects they have. And I guess talking about you, Dr. Cornelius. Wonderful, wonderful. So, enlighten me on this COVID-19 pandemic. So, Dr. Cornelius, um, obviously you wouldn't know, but here in the 21st century we've actually had a lot of trouble with COVID-19 this has been this was a respiratory illness uh, and it developed through um, air particles air droplets aerosol droplets and uh, it became such a world it became such a horrifying disease that there were many 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 people all over the world died because of this disease and while i'm sure you have some knowledge about world ravaging diseases do tell me were there any respiratory diseases that happened during your time well respiratory diseases so that sounds allow me to explain a few things from my world of medicine So there are, in theory, for the the body, four humors. There's blood, phlegm, 
yellow vial, and black vial. And if you'd like, I'd love to go into them. But for now, this the respiratory diseases usually are the result of an excess of phlegm, which is produced by the lungs. And the way that we treat diseases that are caused by an excess of phlegm. So phlegm is, if I'm correct, one moment, it's the element, so every humor has a relation to an element, earth, fire, water, air. Phlegm is water. It is cold and it is wet. So to deal with phlegm, one thing that helps is to eat a pepper as it will open up the sinuses and cause the phlegm to leave the body. So for respiratory illnesses, if people are having trouble breathing, oftentimes it is caused by stuff in your lungs and needs to be removed. Is that, does that sound accurate? Well, I gotta say, uh, based on modern medicine, we have a, a slightly different theory. Pranav, do you wanna do you wanna sort of explain uh, to Dr. Cornelius about what you've studied in the realm of respiratory illnesses? If you study anything, um, I, okay. Well, the first thing I wanna like talk about is when you're talking about like, I think like when you're talking about elements and things of that nature about things like phlegm, I think that modern medicine is just a lot different because with technology, like your understanding of, of especially science has, I think evolved. And I think like, think of Flynn, for example, it's, it, it was historically like relevant, maybe back in around your time, like 1600s ish, but around now, like, I think you would characterize respiratory illnesses a lot differently. In fact, one of the ways I would characterize it outside of like, um, an environmental hazard, especially like spreading through the air is also, I think it's a social problem too. Like, and so I think that respiratory illnesses in particular, especially COVID, like just looking specifically at COVID, I, I think it's like a social thing too now. So the way I would characterize respiratory illnesses is a lot different than how, um, I guess you would characterize it. And that's probably because of the time difference and technological advancements. Okay. So when you say it's a social disease, does that mean that it's spread by talking to other people that have the disease? Um, no, I do think it's exacerbated. I, I do think that um, like differences in the way people approach the um, a virus, especially because of like conflicts of you know, I'm just I'm just gonna put it out there like maskers versus anti-maskers, vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. These are all differences in views of a scientific principle, I would say. And I think that's become socialized. So to some degree, I do think the virus is being spread socially to some degree because it's becoming a political power of use of like, like one side is like, oh, it's against our freedom as, as just a good example. And the other side is more like, no, it's not. So basically, there's like different ideas. And I think COVID is being exacerbated by that. Like, I think modern medicine now is really heavily integrated rather than before into politics, sociological aspects, into um, inequalities within the world. There's just a lot more going on. And so the way I would characterize respiratory illnesses are just different because of those uh, facets and because of like, I think it's mostly contributed by like comp the complexity of like, like social, like life nowadays. I think that's the main reason why. I find that very interesting that you guys are having 
doctors as politicians now. But yeah, I find it I find it interesting that uh, what are the actual like effects of the disease? I would uh, I would say one thing that it's not actually doctors as politicians. It's politicians that are trying to become doctors. If we had doctors as politicians, this wouldn't really be a problem. But uh, uh, okay. so the oh, another thing that before I talk about what actually happens within COVID nineteen. I do want to like sort of touch upon how it's spread. So like like Pernav said that it's spread through uh, aerosol droplets. So basically, uh, little droplets of water that could be in the air, whether that's through someone sneezing or somebody coughing, or even like you like you said when people talk, sometimes there's like there's saliva that goes out through their mouth, and that could also potentially spread the virus. So what this happens is that. This coronavirus, it has these proteins that are very spiky, almost like a, almost like a, like a porcupine. And what it does, it, it actually latches on to basically your healthy cells, cells that are in your body that are healthy, and it latches on to them. And it latches on to the, because each cell in your body has what's called a receptor. And a receptor is basically an area where it accepts something sort of like a lock and key and what basically does is these these proteins they hijack those cells and they travel down your respiratory system and they hijack the cells making them what we'd call sick in that uh, it has similar symptoms of the common cold which is actually another reason why it was just so incredibly uh, became such a social thing because people started thinking that, oh, I mean, we get the common cold every year. So if it's just a common cold, why do we need to social distance? Why do we need to close down the economy? Why do we need to wear masks? Things like that. But contrary to popular belief or unpopular belief, COVID-19 had much deeper symptoms than just the common cold because from what we've seen uh from cases of people that have had COVID-19 COVID-19 and this is especially if you're older COVID-19 it, it has had a lot of lasting effects like permanent damage to your lungs and um in some cases it can uh even result in blood clots uh from what we've seen so yeah how about how about you uh have you seen any illnesses of this of this type during your time as a doctor? Well, I'm sure that your guys' technology is advanced to a point where you could you would know that these are sort of spiky things in the air. I mean, I'm talking into this little sphere thing and you guys are hearing me. That's like borderline witchcraft. But back in the day, I, me and my fellow doctors, we theorized that there were some illnesses that weren't just spread from person to person. There were, we called it miasma. Miasma is just bad air, bad air that has evil stuff in it. And this is why we wear these masks. We protect ourselves from the miasma when we're treating patients. 
And inside this little, uh, this little thing right here, we put things like roses, lavender, berries, not just to, well, make the room smell a little bit nicer, but also so that we are protected from miasma. I see. Does anybody else have anything to ask the doctor? I was actually curious, and um, it was a question for the other two. So you mentioned that this thing, it, well, it forced everyone to stay home, and it shut down, like, schools and economies, and uh, what was that like? Like, what did you guys do for the last year? Well, one thing was certainly transitioning from in-person university to online. That's the biggest one for our age group, for sure. I think you should probably um, explain what online means to our doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, G just kind of set up whatever this is and then left, so if you could explain a little bit. Online would be through this device that you're currently using, essentially. Okay. So we've been remotely going to class for the last like year and a half, at least in California. And there's a lot of challenges related to attention span for some people. Um, you know, one of our friends had to go to Idaho because he couldn't stand doing online classes anymore. So that's one thing. Another thing is having businesses close or require masking for service. So I think generally there's been an air of unease and I guess distrust maybe towards other people especially if you're Chinese or something similar right mm. because that's sort of the stereotype where that's where the disease or originated from therefore they're more likely to have it which is a fallacious argument but it's still somewhat widespread idea to add on to that that's more of a thing on the east coast whereas we here on the west coast i know my experience going to arizona which is a majority white and it used to be more right-leaning of an area which is typically where the stereotype is pushed it seems like the people who do believe it don't express it, but you can tell by body language usually. There, there is a sense of that. The other thing is we just got out of what we'd had was called lockdown, where we were supposed to stay inside and not wear masks. But especially in California, most of us are able to walk around without masks 
if we get a form of treatment called a vaccine. And what I learned the other day from a job training was that down in LA, they no longer have to wear masks, but that has led to a new spread of a new strain of the current virus. So it's very possible that we might have to start wearing masks again. Um, just for clarification, by the way, the vaccine is actually not, I would not say it's a treatment. It's more a prevention mechanism for um, transmission of COVID and essentially the harmful effects that it has. So, I mean, I, I know we talked about the science of like COVID. So COVID is a virus, right? A virus is basically a parasitic organism. It's not even considered living, actually. So even organ organisms, a bit of a little niche concept that scientists still debate on. But basically, it needs a host to live. So in, in fact, humans are the host. We are disease carriers. And that's how like COVID survives. What the vaccine actually does is it you're basically um, you're you're taking the virus itself and actually injecting it ironically into humans. But the difference is you're actually um, using like Casper and like gene, gene editing especially. You're actually removing like the harmful genes for the um, for the virus, and you're basically having a less harmful version of the virus. It's not harmful at all actually enter into the body. So the body gets used to the vaccine and says your immune cells basically care about your help with T cells, your B cells and all that, it basically recognizes that like antibody and or that virus and it makes antibodies as a prevention um, of when the virus does, when the actual virus does come, it can kind of fight it off. So it's not really actually like treating it, I would say, it's just helping with it. Helping with uh, helping with transmission and like um, alleviating long-term effects of it. Yeah, thanks for the correction. I was looking for the words, but I couldn't find it. So I was hoping you would, you would pop up. Um, but I am curious for the board here. How safe do you guys think you are maskless with the vaccine? Just an honest inquiry. I mean, I still wear the mask um, I'll be honest. in public. Oh, Just... Go ahead. Sorry. So, uh, I mean, so I, I do, but I was talking to my neuro. It's okay. Go for it. I think there's an internet issue. Uh, so I was gonna, I was gonna say actually, to to be honest with you, like I know this is gonna be, this is gonna sound odd, but I think although the vaccine's helping, it's also not because now a lot of people are going maskless, and you can't tell who's vaccinated or not because there's all you can't just be like you look like you've been vaccinated, you look like an anti-vaxxer, like there's no way of knowing. And the reality is, I don't think a mask actually, like a mask isn't isn't effective unless both of you really wear it. It's somewhat effective if one person wears it. But you'd really need like a whole community to like start participating in it. So unfortunately, I think that even though like I think being vaccinated, I do feel a lot safer. But the mask thing is becoming less and less relevant because of the vaccine. I feel like. Right. And uh, Alex Akash, how do you feel? Um, I would say that um, I do agree with what Pranav said in that there's a lot of people that are using the vaccine excuse that, oh, we're vaccinated and so, you know, let's just go maskless. But the issue is that, you know, a lot of people sort of are trying to use that to their advantage and that they're not vaccinated because they don't want to be microchipped but 
they're also these are also the same people that think that the mask is inhibiting on their freedom so you have is you have majority of the people that are going maskless are also the people that are, haven't been vaccinated well a lot of people in that you know in some of the states i could be wrong but uh generally i've seen that the people that are smart enough to get vaccinated are also smart enough to continue wearing the mask in in public areas it, so I, I guess it just depends on where you live but from what i've seen a lot of people here still most of the people here if not all are still wearing uh, masks in public which is good i think that's the way it should be everywhere i do think it, the the whole uh the order that they sent out in which they said that vaccinated people didn't have to wear a mask i think that might have been a bit premature i think they should have uh i think they should have waited a bit longer you know we've already like been wearing masks for like what a year and a half almost year and three months i mean there's we could have waited a couple of more months i would say and alex yeah um to be honest, I've been kind of using the I'm vaccinated so I can be less careful, right? So I guess the it's I'm privileged, right? Because I'm not super old and you know, I'm middle class, right? So it doesn't like I had access to the vaccine and I will have access to, you know, adequate health care given something happens, right? So to be frank, it is like abusing privilege slightly. Um like what Pranav said with you need community wide masks to actually be effective. Yeah that makes it complicated. Like people are anxious to get the masks off because it's, it's been so long, right? People just want to get back to normal. Which, you know, I think that's understandable, but right. it's also like a question of generosity, right? Because when you wear a mask, it's not for you necessarily. Yeah. And there's the whole like asymptomatic spread and how I think there was a convention with this wasn't recent. This is probably last year or something like that. But there's a convention of I forgot the exact. I think they were it was biological, and they were it was like a a meeting of a bunch of scientists, and one person was asymptomatic for COVID and you know they they infected a bunch of people and it when they looked at the genes for that specific like traceback I suppose it ended up infecting like 10,000 people so it's really insidious I guess and, you know, I, I guess thinking about it now, I agree with what you guys have said with 
maybe it was preemptive. Yeah. I do like what you said about it, like, being, like, people just want to get back to a sense of normal because a lot of this is psychological and that people feel that getting the vaccine... Because, you know, like, when COVID-19 started, everybody was like, vaccine, 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 get the vaccine out, get the vaccine out. Because in their minds, they the vaccine was, like, the holy grail to getting rid of this, which it wasn't. It was just like like Pranav said. It was just a preventative measure. But now people people they just they want to get rid of the masks because that's they feel like once they do that, everything's gonna be okay. So it, there's a lot of psychological issues that go into it as well. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. Even with like us being, I'd say more educated than like most like non-maskers at the very least we at least me and alex did we felt like safer not wearing the mask just because we were vaccinated and also because like we're very young we're not too worried about other diseases kind of offing us and a big reason i asked this is because i took some data from CNBC and a few other sites I saw, and they said that Moderna and Pfizer, well, Pfizer is 95% effective, and Moderna is 94.5. So I just ran the statistics on that. Uh, In the hypothetical here, we have one infected person talking to 10 people, and we're assuming everyone's maskless, which is basically what's happening down in LA. Mm -hmm. And there is a 60% chance no one gets infected in this first 10. But then, if you those 10 people talk to another 10 people, it goes down again to 36% safety. You do that one more time, it goes down to 13% safety of no infections being spread. Right. So, this hypothetical kind of shows that assuming the effectiveness is accurate and people are talking maskless a lot, the chance of other new people getting infected is pretty high just by the sheer amount. And I think that's something we have to keep in mind going forward, like just interacting with other people and moving around, like be careful who's in your circle and if you're out in public, it's probably safer to wear a mask. Yeah. Could you explain and, that again? Uh, I, do I, want I, don't, to, uh... I don't get how I don't get how ninety-five percent becomes thirteen percent. Uh, the the percentage refers to the chance that everyone stays safe after to- ten people talk to one infected person. So. If those 10 people who talk to the infected person or interacts with them talk to another 10, each individually, you're, you're creating this tree of people, then the chance of safety just purely from the vaccine goes down from 95% to 13 over three generations of this, which is about 1,000 people. 
sixty percent isn't even that high. Right. That's basically a coin toss. But again, it's one person getting infected, but that leads to a lot more, which yeah. we saw like prior to the vaccine even. Yeah. So it's safer, but especially with people feeling more safe without masks, it might actually not be. Yeah, and I, before we, like, uh, I do want to talk to Mr. Dr. Cornelius on his expertise, but just before we sort of move on to that, I do want to talk about, touch upon the actual vaccine itself, because there is a lot of misinformation that, oh, it will, um, you know, rearrange your DNA and just turn you into a mutant, something like that. But um, if I do miss something, then please someone let me know. Um, so the way at least Pfizer and Moderna works. I'm not, uh, I haven't really read up on how, um, the other ones work. Uh, what's the third one? Um, it was, uh, I forgot the name, but basically Pfizer and Moderna are Johnson are, and Johnson. Yeah. Johnson and Johnson. Exactly. Um, so, um, the way Moderna and Pfizer work is that they are what's called MRNA vaccines and mRNA is just something that your body uses, basically instructions that your body uses to make proteins. And uh, what mRNA is, it's a messenger. So your body, you know, what the vaccine does is when you inject yourself with the vaccine, what they do is they take instructions to make the outside part of the virus, which is this, the spiky part, the spike protein. And uh, those, it's basically just instructions, and they send it into your body, and your body is like, huh, instructions, what are these? Let me make it. So your body reads the instructions, makes the spike, and your, and your body's like, wait a second, this is, not, this is not normal. I need to make something to get rid of this, this is not good. So your body sees the spike that it just made, and it creates what's called antibodies to get rid of the spike. So the antibodies, they're made, they're like, uh-oh, that's not normal. We need to get rid of that. So, boom, they get rid of that. And then once the antibodies are made, they're like, okay, we'll just chill out here in the body for a little bit. And so that when, if you actually do get COVID, your body's like, wait a second. That's the exact same spiky thing that we made last time. That wasn't good. So antibodies attack it. So the antibodies attack it again. And the reason you need a second dose is because sometimes what's what's called a booster dose in that if enough time passes and your antibody is like that was just a one-time thing all right we can i guess we can just head out then then you get the second dose and they're like oh my god it's here again we we better stay here again. and uh yeah pranav did i did i did i miss anything okay Nothing, you got it, man. Okay, cool. All right, so, Mr. Dr. Cornelius. Earlier. Oh, sorry, Alex, go for it. Oh, I was going to mention something for Dr. Cornelius as well. Just earlier we were talking about, uh, Akashi mentioned psychological effects. Yes. So, Dr. Cornelius, you were there during the time of the well i suppose they wouldn't call it that at the time but the the black death 
The Black Death. Yeah, that is that is what people have been calling it. In fact, I uh, I just escaped it being in my town. Okay. Akash mentioned psychological effects. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about the... You know, there's obviously some psychological effects that come into the play when, you know, places in, like, southern Italy where 90% of the population die, right? Mm. Well. So, what I think... And what I've observed from neighboring cities and countries and just word of mouth. So I think one of the biggest things that happened in that time period was blaming. Like blaming this, blaming that, just blaming people for spreading the disease. But some people went beyond that and went above and beyond and said, why did this disease come into existence? And many people say that it was some penance, some form of penance, some way for those sin the people who have sinned to be punished. Other people say that it is the four horsemen ravaging Europe. For those of you who may have not heard of horsemen, there's death, famine, war, and pestilence. And more or less, this plague has caused all of those, especially pestilence. People are, you know, they're scared. They're going to church to pray that they'll be okay. And some people go to doctors like me. We see very disgusting things, but not, it's it's not that bad. It's, um, I think the grossest thing is one of my friends drew me a picture. These people would have these large bumps, black bumps on their arms, legs, body, wherever. And they would ooze out this yellow liquid. And it just... The, at the time, the treatment was, oh, just cut off all the bumps and you'll be okay. And all that did was just infect the wounds and, well, make it worse. So other people resorted to thinking that it was an internal issue. Now... Earlier I mentioned the four humors, right? Phlegm is one of them. Phlegm is the humor of water. Blood is the humor of air. And a lot of diseases 
like headaches, stomach aches, um, just any physical ailments are usually just caused by an excess of blood. This one we theorized would be a mix of an excess of blood and black bile. Black bile is the humor of earth. Having too much black bile leads to people being lazy, people being depressed, people not wanting to do anything, and just being so out of it. And we thought that these bumps was the black bile coming into the body and actually manifesting into something grotesque. And it was being transported by the blood. So bloodletting, leeches, was a way to dehydrate the body of blood before dealing with the black bile using prayer some and some other tools so what i have as much that's how much i have to add i didn't really i haven't treated any anyone who's had the black death but i know of friends who had to and i even watched one of them take care of them that's pretty impressive that you treated a disease that died 200 years before you were born but that's maybe it was a later strain i assume he mentioned that he looked at a picture my bad it was my bad for saying that because he's from the 1600s and the black death was in the 1300s yeah it was from 1350 to the end of the 14th century there were multiple upcomings, you know. Yeah. This is one of them. Ah, uh, you you confuse the Black Death with something else since you don't know our our current name for the Black Death. Yeah. If you're talking to the thing that happened in the 1300s where a third of Europe died, no, no, this is like a this is the second coming of that. I see. And I have I have family I don't think who, it's called Black Death then. Well, it was the same thing, the same disease. It was the second coming of the four horsemen. Doctor Cornelius, I think uh, I think you should fact check that one. How would you want me to fact check? I left all my <laughs> I left I left all my research at home. That sounds like a personal problem because I don't think that's right. Okay, I think I'm pretty sure it was not Black Death. Where are you from? London, by chance? Yeah. No. Yeah, is that where the cappers are born? <laughs> Stop the cap. Just grilling Doctor Cornelius. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting. Honestly, was... you know, you know, I have a question. Where'd you get your, where'd you get your doctor from? <laughs> Can we see the MD? I was taught by the village doctor, and he taught me everything he knew. Wait, is he still alive? No. How'd he die? Well, he could be if G chance wants me back far enough. You know, one thing that's interesting about the Black Death is that 
Uh, it was actually one of the first known instances, first recorded instances of biological warfare. Because when the Mongols invaded, uh, I forget the town name, but uh, when they invaded, what they actually did was they took their own people that died, that had Black Death, their bodies, and they like threw them over the walls of the city to basically infect all the inhabitants to weaken them. That sounds like barbaric practice. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be honest with you, Dr. Cornelius. I don't trust your doctorate degrees uh, because uh, it's actually the bubonic plague. And that's what the internet, which was not around, and it's called witchcraft, I believe, in around your time. And I think you're a little outdated. And I think whoever taught you, I have a theory that you might have killed your teacher by giving you the wrong medication because your doctorate seems to be fake. Uh, I don't know. You're, you're a little sus, man. I, I don't know. Kind of worrying me here. It's okay, Dr. Cornelius. A, a clock, a broken clock is a right twice a day. You know, I she, came she, on I here. Quiet. I came on here so that I could give my account. But apparently you guys know more about my time period than I do. Because you trust whatever you've seen on this internet, as you call it. But whatever. I how about you, you guys sure? tell me about? How about you guys tell me some other stuff that happened after my time period? Are, are like, you sure you're from the 1600s or the 1400s? Are, are, you sure, anymore, are you sure that you don't have you know some some like? Are you sure you're not the patient out of curiosity? You know, I'm just I'm just saying. You know, it was a different time. It's okay, but Dr. Cornelius, all I'm saying is a uh, a little cap. You know, all you gotta say is. That I'm, I'm capping and you know, it's done. Misinformation is not good, Dr. Cornelius. I don't, I don't think he knows what I'm capping is. I'm not wearing means. a cap, though. I'm not wearing a cap. Uh, uh, wearing I apologize. What are your guys' thoughts on the Spanish flu? Now, that I have not heard of, but if you guys would be willing to tell me. Because one thing I was curious about there must have been other stuff that has happened before the COVID. COVID-19, right? Like, There have been quite a few. Quite a few. There, there's one that's actually still affecting us. Uh, it's not the Spanish flu, but it's uh, HIV and AIDS. It's, Tell me about that. Yeah, it originated probably in monkeys. Uh, chimpanzees from West Africa is the current theory. But it's a sexually transmitted disease that basically destroys the immune system. It's surprisingly still alive, although it's like it started in 1981, where now it's 2021. It's been 40 years. And that might be foretelling about <laughs> uh, a disease as current as now. Like, who knows how long COVID will last if HIV can last that long. I mean, Spanish flu, because Ethan, you mentioned it earlier. So Spanish flu was like, I believe it was because of, it was during World War One, where um, it was like when World War One was ending. 
all the soldiers, they were cramped into spots. And what that resulted in was a lot of malnourishment. And because of, you know, the absolute, like, the bad conditions that they lived in, it uh, resulted in a weakened immune system. And, and what we now know is the Spanish flu. And, yeah, I mean, it wasn't actually, like, from Spain. People just called it the Spanish flu because they thought, because uh, Spain was uh, actually like publishing accounts of the flu, and uh, because they didn't have censorship of the press, so people thought that it came from Spain, where as it did not. Yeah, uh, I from what I saw, it seemed like the disease was so intense that they kind of had a ceasefire on certain wars uh, at the time. Not wars. Or not battles. Sorry. It it was it was a war. I, I was going to say battles, yes, but it, it was actually the war. Yeah. Just because there's so many people dying, like, it wasn't even worth fighting each other when you have bigger problems in your own home. Yeah. Puts into perspective the entirety of World War One as well. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Cornelius, can you oh. tell a little bit about like what sort of um, treatment methods that you guys used back in the 1600s? Well, I thought it was 1300s. Are you switching now? No. It was oh, I was just asking. Okay. Yeah, so, anyways, I'm going to just stick to my theory, if, even if you guys laugh at it. Because this is all I know. Well, this is all sorry, I do sorry. Before, you, before you answer, Dr. Cornelius, can I ask a follow-up question too, since you're answering anyway? Uh, so something, I, I guess like something I noticed, especially with like COVID, is the social, like the, I guess the social factors that go into it and like how it's creating, I think, differences in social classes. Can you also touch on that about uh, if you notice something similar and you think that's a constant within your time, like social differences and how that created um, further, I'd say, um, inequalities and further disturbances within people? Sure, as long as you're not accusing me of capping, whatever that means. So, basically, as far as like social stuff goes, the um, you know, I heard I heard you guys talking about how people were allowed to go out when they could have had the disease and they weren't following protocols mandated by the government and the church. And let me just say that in my time period, you'd be executed if you didn't follow orders, right? These guidelines were strict and you had to follow by law or you would be thought to have been hiding the fact that you had the disease and that would be treason. I don't know if that's still relevant where in your guys' time period, but back then that's just the way it was. And um, it caused a lot of social ostracism. Now as for like medical practices, so I mentioned um, the I mentioned the different humors, and all of our theory has been told by the humors. You know, I'm assuming that some somewhere like down the line with you guys, you got the technology to be able to examine bodies and things like that. But back here, we I guess the idea of taking apart a dead body that's for for like research purposes, that's desecration of the dead. 
and we would have surely been hanged. So even though like I will personally say that I think we could benefit from learning in that way, I do not want to choke to death. So uh, I'm going off of the theory that my my fellow doctors came up with without touching dead bodies. And it's actually, it was all developed by examining the living. So blood and the biles and phlegm, those are all things that make sense in the sense of the living. Why do you wear and I said that... everything had its... What was that? Why do you wear that mask? Oh, I already I mentioned earlier, it's to protect me from my asthma. Oh, okay. So, anyways. So, I covered Thank you from what, sorry? My asthma. It's oh, okay. uh, M-I-A-S-M-A. Okay, so, yeah, I, I mentioned how Black File makes people more sad, melancholic almost, and someone who has a bunch, someone who's like blood is, they're considered sanguine, which means they're joyous, they're happy, but too much can lead to sickness. Um, yellow vial is the one I haven't actually gone over yet. So yellow vial is the humor of fire. And it's essentially the yellow stuff that you see when you're, you know. So if you have, so a lot of things that someone will do when they're examining you is they'll have a cup that the patient will pee into. And just looking at the cup, they'll see, okay, this person has an excess of yellow bile. They must drink more water or eat colder foods. Having too much yellow bile can make you often feel not, it's like the opposite of black bile. It makes you feel way more um, daring and reckless. So, um, yeah, there's basically each treatment for each humor originates from what we understand about that humor. So like I mentioned earlier, how having too much phlegm means that you have, that you need to eat hot foods so that the phlegm will leave your body, open up your sinuses. So if I want to go skydiving, so, all I have to do is increase my yellow bile. What's skydiving? Basically, you jump out of a, a flying contraption in the air. Oh. Wait. What, why did you say yellow bile? You said, it, yeah, I think you mentioned it makes you more reckless and daring. Huh. So if I want to, if yeah. I want the courage to jump out of a... Uh, something like flying 15,000 feet in the air and all I gotta do is increase my yellow bile. Interesting. Sort of. You have to increase your yellow bile 
and decrease your black file. Because your black file is the stuff that makes you lazy and not want to do things. Oh. So if you want courage, that's what you should be more focused on. Got it. Thank you. Actually, I think there's a there's a terminology in modern medicine for um, black vial and yellow vial. It's called alcohol, really, because uh, a lot of the stuff you're saying, I think, um, not like not even kidding. Like I think neurologically, a lot of the stuff you're saying, it's uh, implemented by like when you take alcohol, like how your neurotransmitters fire and stuff. Like it, it gives you the sensation of an increase in dopamine, which probably is basically yellow vial is what you're talking about. So I think, um, I I think that. Like, I basically think that, like, what you're saying was just given more scientific, like, proof with experiments in, like, the neuroscience of it as, as a good example. So that's, I, I think that the yellow bile and black bile are basically, like, I think they're very neurologically, like, um, facilitated, I, I would say. So I think that's pretty cool to see a common commonality there. Yeah. I don't know anything about, like, what you called transmitters, but... I know alcohol does make you feel really good and want to do things, so sure, you're right. Hey, hey Dr. Cornelius, I have a question. I've heard. This is important. So, did you did you turn up in your day? Did you did you turn up kind of hard in your day? You seem like someone who would turn up. As a, so, what did I so turn? Um, what, were you someone who um, uh, ingested a lot of alcohol, uh, Dr. Cornelius, and you know partied with with the medieval mistresses? Is what I'm 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 asking you. Well. I don't mean to brag, but <laughs> I'll just say yes. Okay, I see you, doctor. See you. I think this might be a clarification. Like, yellow bile literally refers to yellow bile, right? Like, your vomit and stuff. Vomit is... More phlegm. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I'm I just kind of confused on what bile means, I guess. Well, bile is just... It's just, like, substance. It's how do you explain what's in your pee? That's bile. How do you explain what's in your brain? That's bile. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, I mean, in modern day yeah. medicine, we actually do have bile. It's a bit different from what you guys do. So bile is, it is kind of yellow greenish fluid. It's produced in something called the liver mm -hmm. in uh, right here, I think, somewhere, somewhere in your midsection. And uh, what it basically does is it's, it's produced by the liver and uh, it helps digest what are called lipids in your small intestine from the food that you eat. I would just like to clarify, that is not true. Your liver produces blood. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, obviously, you are you are the doctor here. Uh, we are just some tra untrained amateurs. We obviously don't know anything, right? I mean, the, the, the absolute thousands yeah, of the absolute thousands of dollars that i'm paying for university are absolutely obsolete because obviously we have a guy dressed in a bird mask coming here telling me that the liver produces blood obviously okay then what does produce blood hmm? 
you know? Uh, well, something called red like... blood cells, platelets, scientific evidence, you know, there's something called a book. I think books can teach you a lot, sir. Um, you know, you might have to you might have to go to medical school again, I, I think. I it's went like, to medical school. I went to medical um, school and I read books there. What so books I don't know you what you're saying. Really? I mean, from what you've told you... us, you spent your time getting what Pernov called turned up because so I'm not sure what uh... Someone's not studying. Okay. Do you guys know who Hippocrates is? Okay, okay, dude, look, I'm yes. going to be honest with you. I do, and that was around the 1300s, and you're switching from 1300s to 1600s. If you're a doctor, you definitely know dates, man. Like, come on. Come on now. No, no, he's just saying, he's just saying he, he knows. He's just saying, I'll ask him. You probably read the books of Hippocrates, right? Yeah, books of Hippocrates, the Hippocratic Oath, uh, the books of Galen. There were a lot, a lot of theory that went around in my time. And I read all of it. So perhaps you should read Dr. Cornelius, can you just can you can you just explain where exactly you're from? Because you mentioned you weren't from London. No, I'm next to London in France. Oh, okay, because oh so you're French. Okay, 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 okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I know, I don't sound very much like it. I have a speech impediment. Okay, so, see, I just looked it up, and it says that in France and the Netherlands, plague doctors often lacked medical training and were referred to as empirics. France. Hey, dude, let's be honest. Does this shock any of us? But you, you say you looked this up. Where did you look it up? I use something called uh, what's called an iPad. I'm sure you guys would call it witchcraft. So just just call it magic. So you use magic, which, as we all know, is blasphemy. Yes. So you're speaking blasphemy to me. Yes. We're so glad that your time period is so progressive. So you would be burned at the stake. And I would personally throw all the oil over you. I think this is a good... How did you make it this far? Like, Dr. Cornelius, how did you not get executed by now? Like, true question, man. Okay, let me... I just... I treat patients, and I do a good job at it. Kill They're cured. They get cured. You're an empiric, apparently. What does that mean? Okay, I don't hold know. On. Ask, so, ask Akash. So, uh, an, an empiric... Is in philosophy, empiricism is a theory that states that knowledge comes only or primarily from sensory experience. Uh-huh. So basically, basically, historically, empiricism was associated with the blank slate concept, according to which the human mind is blank at birth and develops its thoughts only through experience. So what that what is that uh so in in terms of what that means in uh medicine it basically means that uh let me see here um it means he hasn't so, studied anything and he's just going off whatever he's experienced This is actually I think a really good talking point because something that I do think especially because of like pandemics like covid is a great example is 
I think people like Dr. Cornelius like kind of come in with misinformation and really like, I think that's also contributing. To... <laughs> Sorry, man, I just gotta give you straight. I think that's also like in seriousness contributing to a lot of like reasons why people um, have such negative perceptions on vaccines. Let's just say on uh, wearing a mask. I really do think it's like not that people aren't necessarily not smart. I, I do think people can be ignorant, of course, but I think mainly it's just a lack of education and a lot of misinformation, especially with uh, social media platforms. Social media can be what gives it and takes it as well, right? Like people are, everyone's posting their own TikToks and whatever on about, they're, they're, everyone's a doctor basically, which I think that's just a lot of misinformation that's being spread. And I think that's partially like, I think as we grew like more complex a society, that's one of the problems we've had. And I'm sure that was the same within um, Dr. Cornelius' time with things like the church, um, with himself probably to some, some degree, you know, like stuff like that. So I really think it's it's kind of unfortunate that every everyone wants to be a leader nowadays, but there's not enough followers and people willing to learn. I mean, I feel, I've, I've heard that, like, the most famous plague doctor was Nostradamus, who was, like, actually kind of gave good medical advice. Have you heard of Nostradamus, Dr. Cornelius? I don't... Nope. I don't oh. know about. Oh, okay, that's why. I, I see why. I see why you're not a very good doctor, then. You haven't heard of the most, uh... What do you mean I'm not a very good doctor? I have saved people's lives. I have rooted out sick people from just dead people that were still living. Okay, you know, you know, let's just put this to rest. Okay, simple, simple question for everyone, but Dr. Cornelius here. If if you were dying right now, how many of you would go to Dr. Cornelius for help? If someone, if at least two of you say, "I fifty fifty, I'll be impressed, honestly. And Dr. Cornelius, you're an amazing doctor. Honestly, like, I, I totally go to Dr. Cornelius for medical advice and treatment. I mean, it's like, obviously, if he's saying that he saved people without any sort of medical training, it's obvious that he's using some form of witchcraft to do so. Which means that you're the blasphemer. What are um, these allegations? So, okay, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Um, so I need to tell you something about bipolar uh, disorder, Akash, because you just said the opposite. Now you're defending Dr. Cornelius. I, I think you're right. He is the right person to treat you for that. I agree. Seems like no, you guys are masculine heaven. Listen, listen, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that Dr. Cornelius, it's, it's actually not like, it's actually not paradoxical because what I'm saying is that Dr. Cornelius lacks even the most basic of medical knowledge, yet he's claiming to have cured people. If he's claiming to have cured people, and that's true, without any sort of medical knowledge whatsoever, obviously he's using some sort of magic to do so. He's 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 a he's a supernatural. He has medical knowledge. It's just the wrong medical. Half of them. Think he does have medical knowledge though. Yeah, dude, Hippocrates. <laughs> okay. How do we transition from this? I do not know. I think you just end. I am. Okay. <laughs> Let's just call it. Let's call it. I am Please. Beyond humiliated. <laughs> I have tried to talk about things that I've come to know, and I, I've just been discredited. So you sound a lot like you. Take it. Go. Take it up with you. <laughs>
Goodbye, doctor. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry, guys, but thank God. It's, it seems that so doctor, that ends the episode. It seems, that doctor, <laughs> it seems that Dr. Cornelius has walked out on us after a particularly eye-opening session for him. Um, it seems that he has taken everything that we've said to extreme to heart, and uh, he has been quite offended. Um, yeah. Which is which is quite it's quite surprising to me because it 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 would seem that as a medical doctor, Doctor Cornelius would want to learn from people with such advanced technology, but obviously he seems not the right person to be a doctor. So with that, I guess we're ending season two, yeah. episode two of the True Leisure Podcast. Please subscribe to our Instagram at the True Leisure Podcast. Uh yeah, I mean, I honestly don't know how to end this. So, uh, thanks, Pranav, for coming on here, for all the way from University of Alabama. Well, he didn't actually come here. He just joined from Zoom, but thank you for joining. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Sorry, Dr. Cornelius. He's not here. He probably, he's probably he's back in the 1600s.